Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you. We thank you that we do not serve a God that is lifeless. We do not serve a God that does not have life, but we serve a God who has gained victory over death because he rose from the dead. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for how you love us and the mercy and the grace that you have poured out over us. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us this morning what it looks like to live a life worthy of that gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ rising from the dead in victory over death and sin to save us. Thank you. Teach us this morning. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit and your word. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Welcome. We are in our series on the book of Philippians. So I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read your Bible on. And I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you or you don't have a Bible at home, uh, we've got Bibles in the back of the pew. So grab one of those. If you do grab one of those, we have two types. There's a leather bound one and there's a paperback. If you grab the leather one, turn to page 668. That's where you'll find the beginning of Philippians. If you grab a paperback one, Turn to 551. That's the page where uh, the book of Philippians can be found. If you have no idea where to find it, go to the table of contents. That's why God gave it to us. And so uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, uh, please, I want you to grab one of those Bibles from the back of the pew. And when our service is done today, I want you to take that Bible and tuck it under your arm. And I want you to leave this building with it. Let that be our gift to you. Because we want everybody to have God's Word at home that they can read and study. So, uh, as you're turning there, um, let me ask you a question. Um, if you were looking for someone to sell a cure for balding, would you think that I would be a good salesman for that cure? Everybody laughs. Hey, yeah. Thank you, says the person with a full head of hair. All right. But seriously, if I came to your door and you were losing your hair and I said, I've got a cure for you, would you have very much confidence in what I was trying to sell? No, you wouldn't. Because I don't have a hair on my head. I would be a horrible salesman for a balding cure. Because I don't even represent what that cure stands for. I would be horrible because you would look at me and go, you have no idea what you're talking about. Because you don't have hair. So you don't know what this cure is about. So, let's flip the coin just a minute. Have you ever struggled to be a good representation for Jesus? I would be a horrible representative for a balding cure. Have you ever struggled to represent Jesus Christ? Have you ever struggled to understand what it even looks like to be a good representation of Jesus Christ. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians 1. We're going to begin this morning 
in verse 27. Now, this is a long passage, and let me just give you a warning today. I'm gonna, we're going to read our passage, and then I'm going to give you my statement that I give you every week. And then we're going to break down this passage. So you're going to want to hold your Bible open, because we're going to look a lot at the words that are on these pages right here. So, Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 27. It says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, let me just pause for just a moment. We're going to spend our morning looking at what it looks like to live out a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. We're going to look at what a representing life looks like. So, let's keep going. We're just one sentence into verse 27. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather... In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky 
as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in labor or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering <clears throat> on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. It's a long passage, uh, but it has one common theme. It has one common idea, and that common idea is how we're called to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's where our focus is going to be this morning. So here's my statement. I always leave you with a memorable statement that you can take home and remember throughout your week. So if you're a note taker, this is the time to write something down. Here's our our statement for this morning. Unity, humility, and fidelity lead to luminosity. Kind of a corny statement. I know, I just needed something that rhymed. Unity, humility, and fidelity lead to to luminosity. Now the luminosity, we're going to get to that at the very end, but the luminosity is the light that our lives shine out to the dark world around us. And we're going to look at that towards the end of my message, but I want you to understand what the unity and humility and fidelity are talking us about and leading us towards. So that being said, let's look at what this passage says to us. So again, you're going to need to just keep your Bibles open because we're just going to keep going back to this throughout this entire passage. So, the first idea that we get out of this passage is the idea of unity. The idea of unity. Unity is a key factor for us to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Paul In verse 27, look at what he says. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, if you go back to the Greek, the phrase manner worthy of the gospel of Christ actually is a political statement. It's a statement about citizenship. Paul is actually saying here, you should live as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul was tapping into the political national pride that the Philippians felt. The people of Philippi were there because they were living in an actual Roman colony. Many of them were very proud of their Roman citizenship. And so Paul is tapping into that pride and saying, guys, I understand you're very proud to be part of the Roman Empire. You're proud to be called a Philippian. But you should be even more proud to be called a follower of Christ and to live as such. To have a manner of life that reflects you being a follower of Jesus Christ. Now many of us in this room are proud to call ourselves Americans. And I'm I'm just going to say it. Many of us worship our pride as Americans more than we worship Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is not as Americans. Our citizenship is as followers of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. I love this country, and I love the fact that I'm an American. But if this country ever told me, 
as a citizen to turn my back on my Savior, I would turn my back as an American in an instant. I would not hesitate to deny my country if it asked me to deny my Savior. We have to get our priorities corrected. The fact of the matter is, is Paul is saying that exact thing to the Philippians. He's saying you have to have more pride as a follower of Jesus than you do as a citizen of the Roman Empire. And so he says, live as citizens in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he goes into talking about what that looks like. Now, I'm going to borrow and twist around some of the wording of a famous statement out of the comic books. And it says this, with great privilege comes great responsibility. We, not just as Americans, but we as followers of Christ, are privileged and blessed beyond anyone else. If this country turned our ba- its back on us, we would still have our Savior. We would still have our true King. The fact of the matter is, is we live in the wealthiest nation in the world. The poorest people in our country are wealthier than 90% of the existing population of the world. You and I, if we went to most other countries in the world, would be considered the wealthiest people in the nation. And you go, well, not me. No, no, no. I'm talking if you are in the lowest socioeconomic stratus in the United States, you are considered the wealthiest socioeconomic status in most other countries. We are privileged. We should just be thankful that we were born in this country. But with that privilege comes responsibility. We have the opportunity to affect the lives of the people all over the world who are not as privileged as we are. And we should never, ever take that for granted. We have the opportunity to support the needy in this country We have the opportunity to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus, both here and all over the world through the mission work that we support. And we should never take that privilege lightly. With great privilege comes great responsibility. So, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. But I want you to see something else that Paul says about being a citizen of the kingdom of God. I want you to flip now to chapter 2, verse 1. Look at what he says to us about being citizens. He says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by doing what? Look at what he says in verse 2. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. We as followers of Christ are being called to be united, to stand together as followers of Jesus, to support the church and the work of everyone who's a part of the church. That's what we're called to do. B 
Be of the same mind. Be of the same spirit. Be of the same unity with Jesus Christ. Now, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. It doesn't mean we all look the same or we sound the same or we have the same jobs or anything like that. It just means that we're united in the same spirit in Jesus Christ. But how many of us could truly say that we feel united as a family in this room? Many of us could. I have felt the love and the tenderness and the compassion and the generosity of this family. But we should strive even more and more to be more united in Jesus day in and day out as a church body. But not only that, not just this church body, but other church bodies. The fact of the matter is, is there is a very ungodly, very unhealthy spirit of competition between churches. Our church is not in competition with any other church in this area. We are united under the same mission and the same goals as every other Bible-believing, God-fearing church in the United States of America. Whether it's on the other side of the country or a three-minute drive away. Competition between churches is ungodly. It says it in black and white right here in Philippians chapter 1 and 2. The fact of the matter is, is we should be praying for, we should be lifting up and supporting the work of churches everywhere, not just for Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale. So if you have an unhealthy perspective of, oh, well, they go to that church, or you have that unhealthy perspective of driving by a church and going, man, what can we do to get people to stop going there and start coming here? That's not from God. I can tell you black and white right now, the number of people sitting in these pews is not what God's concerned about. God is concerned with leading people to the life-changing hope of Jesus Christ. And whether that happens in this building or in the building down on McDonald or the building down on Shea, I don't care where it happens as long as it's happening. Because that's a life worthy of the gospel. Leading people to Jesus Christ, that's what it's all about. Now, is that going to happen in this building? Absolutely, it's going to happen. But we cannot look down or talk down other churches that it's also happening at. There are great pastors and churches all over the valley. And we should be praying for them and supporting them and helping them in any way we can. As a matter of fact, I would love down the road to see our church partnering with churches all over this valley area. And so that is something that we need to understand is we're not in competition. We're in partnership. We're in unity under the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul really drives home the idea of unity. But then it goes into the idea of humility. Look at with me in verse 3. Verse 3, he says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And then he goes on to tell us that 
our example for humility is actually our very own Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're called to look at other people and put other people's interests before our own interests. So let's take a minute and look at that ultimate example that Paul gives us about Jesus. Pick up in verse 6, chapter 2, verse 6. Who being, talking about Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus was and is God. He came in flesh. Now, did he have to do that? No. He lived a perfect existence in heaven where the angels praised his name and sang about him and and met his every need, his every, not need, every want, every desire. He had no pain, no suffering. He was in a perfect existence. And he decided through the direction of his father that that was not something that was to his advantage. And it says he humbled himself and came to this earth. He didn't let go of his deity. He let go of his rights as a deity, as God. The fact of the matter is, is he never stopped being God the Son. He just let go of some of the rights that he had as God the Son. He lived a perfect, sinless life on this earth so that we could be saved did he suffer was he uncomfortable did he get sick who knows but the fact of the matter is is he definitely got hot and he definitely got cold and he definitely got uncomfortable and he had to deal with all the ickiness and the issues of being a human being on this earth when he didn't have any of that in heaven the idea is this i i heard an illustration from uh, a theologian named Brian Chapel. He, he went and did some work in Africa uh, uh, to, during a point in his life. And he said in some of the parts of Africa, the tribes were structured in such a way that they designated a chief, and the way they designated that chief was they found the strongest man in the village, and that man became their chief. They valued physical strength. And so this man would become the chief of the village because of his power, his physical prowess. And he wore this big, long robe, and he had these, these, all these had big headdresses and, and all the royal attire that a chieftain had to wear. And he said he actually witnessed a situation where a man from, his tri- from this tribe had fallen down a well. And no one could get him. He had fallen down, he'd broken a leg, and he couldn't get himself back up. And the way to get in and out of the well, if you had to get in and out, was through these little knobs that acted as rocks to climb in and out of the well. And so the chief caught word of what had happened. And he took his headdress off, and he took his royal clothes off. He climbed down into the well, picked the man up, And carried the man back out. He did the thing that no one else could do. But he could not have done that act while looking the part of the chief. Jesus did the one thing that no one else could do for us. But in order to do that, 
He had to not look the part of Son of God. He had to let go of those privileges and those rights so that he could live and be tempted just like you and I, according to the book of Hebrews. Jesus humbled himself in the ultimate way. And he died for us. Look at the way this passage ends. Verse 8, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He didn't just die. He didn't live to an old age and die in a natural way. He died in this day and time in the most gruesome way that had been invented. The most painful torturous means of death, that's what Jesus went through for us. That's humility. Because on that cross, Jesus could have said the word and have been saved by legions of angels at any point. But he didn't. Because he knew he had to humble himself to save us. And so he humbled himself. He did what needed to be done that no one else could do. And look at what verse 9 says. Therefore God God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The fact of the matter is, is he stopped looking out for his own interests and looked out for your interests and my interests. That's what humility is. Stop thinking about ourselves and think about others. But what happens as a result? If we live a life worthy of the gospel, we will receive the exaltation. We will receive heaven. We will receive the lifting up. But how did Jesus put it? Something along the lines of the first shall be last and the last shall be first. In other words, if we want heaven, if we want to be lifted up with Jesus at the last day, we have to place ourselves last and place everyone else before us. That's a life, a manner worthy of the gospel. So unity, humility, and lastly, fidelity. Look at verses 12 through 18 with me. Therefore, my dear friends, if you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Isn't that amazing? He's calling us to say, we will live in obedience, and we will not grumble, we will not argue about what our circumstances are, but instead, we will point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's a life that's worthy of the gospel. Rather than thinking about ourselves through the life we live, through the obedience that we have, we point others to the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. That life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. 
That's what representation looks like. When we are united together and we live humbly, looking out for the interests of others before ourselves, and we live in obedience to Jesus Christ, not grumbling and not arguing, that's the point where we will be able to show people the hope of Jesus. So go back to my original question at the very, very beginning. If I came to your door and was trying to sell you a cure for baldness, that would be a hard sell for me because I don't represent that product. But if I came to your door and I had a full head of hair and I showed you a picture of what I look now, wow. Can't even imagine what I look like with hair, can you? You're picturing it right now. I know you are. But the fact is, is if we don't live a life that, like what Paul has pointed to us in chapter 1 and 2 of Philippians, we're going to be that bald, cure salesman with no hair. We cannot tell people about the gospel if we don't represent the person that we claim we serve. If people come seeking Jesus Christ and they come to First Southern and they see that we're arguing and bickering and we're not united, are they going to want what we have? No. If they w- walk through those doors right there and they're ignored and all they see is us taking care of ourselves and ignoring everybody else, will they want what we have? No. If they come through this campus and they see a people that don't even follow what Jesus said to do, will they want what we have? No. Because it's just another counterfeit offer that the world has to offer. But if we're united as a family, if we're humble and we look out for everyone else first, and we live in obedience to what God has called us to, we will shine like the stars. Look at how Paul says it. I want you to look down with me at verse 15. This is many, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Isn't that beautiful? Our unity, humility, and fidelity will lead to our luminosity. We will shine if we can live the life that Christ has called us to. So my question this morning is, do you represent Jesus? Do you represent Him well? In your unity, in your humility, and in your fidelity, your obedience, do you shine like that star in this wicked and crooked generation? Believe me, there are people in this world, people that you and I know who are desperate to have some light in their life, and if you shine like that star, they will see it and they will want it. So shine and show people the hope of Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. 
God, we thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And God, our prayer this morning is that you would help us to shine like the stars that you've called us to be. Lord, that people would see our lives and desire what we have. Help us to live a life of unity. Help us to live a life of humility. And help us to live a life of fidelity, of obedience to you. We thank you, God. Help us through the light that you shine to lead others to the gospel of Jesus, the life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now going to have a time where you can respond. And if you need to spend some time in prayer, uh, our altar is open. We invite you to come and, and spend time with the Lord if you need to do that this morning. If you need to speak with someone, if you need to talk to someone about uh, what you've heard or, or what we've sung this morning, maybe you are curious about what a life-changing hope in Jesus looks like. Maybe you'd like to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. Myself and Pastor Josh will be right up here on this front pew. We would love the opportunity to talk to you. So let's stand and let's worship.